Welcome. You're listening to Latin Waves with your hosts, Sylvia and Stuart Richardson. Latin Waves is more than just hot rhythms. This is a show about community, about creating a culture that is inclusive and based on fairness. Because everyone deserves dignity, respect, and has something to contribute. A new world is possible, and it all starts with us. It's a pleasure to have Arnold August online. He's a Montreal-based author of three books on the U.S., Cuba, and Latin America. As a journalist, he appears regularly on Teleser and Press TV, commenting on international geopolitical issues, and as a contributing editor to the Canada Files, and his articles are published worldwide in English, French, and Spanish. Thanks for joining us, Arnold. Pleasure to be with you once again. Now... Recently, on January, just past January 27th, we commemorated the 78th anniversary of the liberation of the Auschwitz uh, German Nazi concentration camp. Instead of this being a unifying moment for the world, Russia wasn't invited to the ceremony despite its historic role by the Red Army. Can you outline the cost to Russia in regards to the liberation of Auschwitz and how outrageous it is that they were excluded? Well, I mean, it, it was really a, not only an attack against Russia and the former Soviet Union, but it's also an attack, in my view, uh, against, you know, uh, collective thinking, if we may put it that way, uh, all over the world with regards to World War II and the current situation in Europe, in Europe at this time. Now, we know that the uh, USSR... Uh, 78 years ago, uh, they were the ones who broke through and opened the Auschwitz camps and allowed those survivors, which were very few, uh, to be free. I mean, USSR inflicted 80% of German casualties, and they lost 27 million of its own people. So let our listeners take this into account. Let that sink in. Uh, I've been analyzing this right from the beginning, but specifically with regards to this latest uh, event, the United States from the beginning has been attempting, since February 24, 2022, has been attempting to turn history on its head for mm-hmm. its own advantage. Slowly but surely, from February 24 on, I've been, I watched very carefully CNN, which is the most uh, the best way to get a, a an inside view of the thinking of the current administration, and right from the beginning, almost a year ago, they started to portray uh, Russia as uh, an inferior race. I remember very clearly. I like to share this with the uh, listeners uh, that on, the, on February 24th, CNN uh, interviewed, as is always their case a former military attaché from the United States to Moscow. And what did he say upon being re- uh, questioned? He said, well, it, well, I remember when I was in Moscow, I had discussion with top generals, other top generals. He's a military man from the U.S. And he basically said, well, we are not like you. That is, Russia, we are not like the United States. And, of course, what he said, well, it is true. You know, looking in his eyes, he said, I see they are not the same as us. So that's the first step mm. to a long-term uh, racial 
a slur against Russia, and indirectly, I would say, Stuart as well, an attack on, on socialism and communism as it existed in the USS before, even though we all know the so Russia is not socialist at this time. It's been about a year now, or close to a year since this conflict um, has begun. The U.S. and NATO have managed to corral $100 billion worth of weapons to Ukraine to fight this proxy war with Russia. Despite many domestic issues we seem unable to solve, this seems the sky's the limit when it comes to funding this war. What is your current analysis of the conflict as it stands today? As it stands today, right now as we speak, we know over the last, I would say the last week, there was a, de a definite um, spike in uh, propaganda in favor of war against Russia. I mean, I don't know if you saw that, a very interesting clip by the German foreign minister a few days ago, mm -hmm. in which she said openly, uh, addressing the European countries, we, Europe, we have to stick together because we are at war with Russia. So this is the first time a European country has admitted that they are at war with Russia. And then we have other similar statements coming out about the same time. Uh, and uh, the point is now that is more openly being said it is that this whole thing is against Russia. I would like to add one thing, uh, just to provide more context mm -hmm. uh, before we go further into the current details, is that in my view, this whole war started in 2014 with the overthrow of the democratically elected government in Ukraine, in Kiev. Now, they kept, at that point, they kept on pushing Russia, pushing Russia, uh, bringing Ukraine uh, uh, arms, etc., as close as possible to the Russian border. And February 24th, 2022, uh, President Putin said, well, this is enough, he started to carry out the special military operation. Now, my view, like, why was and is the United States so much in favor of attacking Russia or provoking Russia to get into a war with NATO? I think that the main overall feature is, comes about as, the, as a result of the international situation, the changing geopolitical map of the world. And the United States, in attacking Russia, is also attacking China. Let us make no mistake about it. The United States is against Russia, tries to stabilize it. Why? Because they want to weaken that growing alliance and cooperation between, on the one hand, Russia, and on the other and China. So we can say the ultimate goal is not Russia, it is China. In fact, if someone thinks, well, Arnold is crazy, just two, three days ago, one of the heads of the military, uh, just two, three days ago, he said that we are really preparing for a war against China. This is coming from him. He was a, a major general uh, in, the, in the American mm -hmm. army, a spokesperson for the military. So what he said, it confirms not only myself, but many other analysts have said that it was, it was a first step in trying to contain China. 
Well, sure. I've been listening to a lot of the commentary, and uh, I I just recently heard that general talking about China. It's like it's like they won a third world war, and I, I just want to say that when everybody says the whole world's behind NATO and the United States, well, that whole world doesn't include most of Asia, Africa, and Latin America. Uh, the whole world is divided dramatically, and we've talked about the 2014 coup on the show before and how there was a lot of shelling and killing of ethnic Russians in the East and, and no NATO nations and no mainstream media seemed to have any bleeding hearts towards uh, the, the killing that was happening in the East. Now, it seems that NATO and Canada, everyone came, they're very excited about sending more tanks. They There might be jets coming from Poland. Um, where's the anti-war movement? We could be on the cusp of a world war. I don't see the anti-war movement. Is it because of who's in the White House or is it party before principles? Like what's happening to our civil society? That Where are the protests that I've seen with the Iraq war? Uh, one of your comments at the beginning of this of your last question is very, very significant. I would like to elaborate very quickly on that. You said most of the world does not agree uh, with the uh, U.S.-NATO narrative. It is very important. For example, on the issue of sanctions against uh, Russia, governments representing countries that compose 88% of the world's population are not into the NATO narrative against Russia. That is very significant. So listeners have to take into mind, whenever the mass media, whether it's CBC or Globe and Mail or elsewhere in the United States, say, well, the international community is doing this. Wait, who is the international community? The international community is United States, Canada, and most countries in Europe. That's it. The rest of the world, close to 90% of the world's population, have not fallen into the trap of the U.S.-NATO narrative. This is very significant. So some people from Asia, Africa, and Latin America, when, if they hear the news from the United States, say the international community, well, the international community completely excludes people of color, other origins, throughout the global south, Asia, Africa, and Latin America. So this is why, and it's not surprising, the United States in their very uh, confident notion that everyone loves us cannot even come to grips with this issue that the majority of the countries, especially in the south, do not support what you, the U.S., NATO, Canada actions and narrative is, is taking place. And I think as an outcome of that, while the United States tried to smash Russia with sanctions, starting right after February 24, 2022, what happened? It's the opposite happened. The Russian economy is actually booming now. The Russian economy has developed close ties that was were building up before February 12, 24, 2022, with China, you know, the most important economic player in the world scale, as well as with Iran, uh, as well as with other countries uh, in the world, including even Saudi Arabia has uh, been developing ties with, with China. And, and there's a you know, whole series of international blocs, for example, the BRICS, Brazil, Russia, uh, India, China, and South Africa, to which Argentina has applied to join, as well as 
other countries as well. So while on the one hand you have these BRICS type of uh, coalitions that are growing, on the other side, the United States is having a very difficult time keeping their coalition together in Europe. For example, Hungary is playing a very favorable role. Up to now, they refuse to fully participate in sanctions and the sending of tanks uh, to uh, the Ukrainian arena. And so, you know, the United States has lost the battle against Russia. Russia is thriving. Russia has more and more alliances. People, for example, China is developing its influence in Africa. Uh, uh, Iran, of course, in Latin America. Russia in Latin America. It's going on all over the place. And what is happening now in Europe, is there going to be a fracture in Europe? Is there going to be an uprising from some countries against the war in, in Ukraine at this time as the winter starts to set in and the lack of affordable gas and other similar uh, needs to keep people warm, to cook, etc., is, is no longer available as it was before. Now you say, where is the uh, anti-war uh, movement? Well, in Europe, I think it has been developing in the sense there are mass, we never see that on mainstream media, of course. Okay. Massive demonstrations in France, uh, in other countries uh, in Europe, in the United Kingdom, against their respective governments because of uh, reforms, for example, in France and other aspects of their policy, which directly affects the day-to-day -day living conditions of the people in these countries. So will this, these demonstrations pick up even further? For example, I think more demonstrations are being carried out in France against the Macron government. But I think many of the people in countries such as France and in the UK as well, where actions are also taking place, are pretty much uh, very well um, schooled in international policy to know that the shortages of basic needs in France, in the UK, and other countries in the Europe, Europe is directly connected right. to the massive spending and attention that is going on in these European countries in order to support, we have to say, the U.S. warfare uh, in Europe using Ukraine as a proxy. So, you know, this thing can build up in the coming months, and, and hopefully it will be. So, with regard, you mentioned the peace movement in um, in Canada and the United States. Well, it also has been developing, but I think not as much as you and I and other like-minded people would uh, suggest. And I think one of the reasons is that, you know, the people in the, in the peace movement, uh, the vast majority, you know, they say they're against, uh, against um, NATO aggression, U.S. NATO aggression against Russia. But they also just have to say, they just can't, keep their mouth shut, excuse me. They have to, oh, we are against Russian invasion. And one, you know, some very well-known, almost icon iconic uh, journalist or anti-war person said, well, what, what Russia did, it was a crime against humanity in February 24th. And other similar, they have to, you know, finalize with this 
position against Russia. Now, we all know the United States uh, and Canada and their uh, spy agencies, they know what is happening in the European, in the peace movement in Canada and the United States. Do you not think that they noticed that uh, important sections of the left or the peace move, anti-war movement in Canada and the United States, that they agree with the NATO, U.S. NATO position that the Russian invasion of Ukraine is a crime against humanity. And what does that imply? Well, even if you're a leftist, it implies that, uh, you know, Europe and the United States, they have a just, justifiable position of opposing Russia because, as some of the left say, it carried out uh, aggression against Ukraine, and it was a crime against humanity. I think this is one of the reasons why the peace movement is not as vibrant as we speak today as we would like. I mean, you know, people, some of the people are, are saying, well, why, why is it so? Well, you know, some of them who are asking why is it so, they should look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And then when they say Russia carried out a... A military invasion, an act of war against Ukraine, this helps the United States. They know that even amongst the left, so-called left, even amongst the so-called peace movement, you have people who very well do very good job in echoing the NATO narrative against Russia, but of course, Stuart, giving it a left, so-called left camouflage, so that it uh, goes across better and helps the overall narrative of the United States and NATO. For sure, this war has been in preparations for a long time, since 2014. Uh, they, they had the coup government, as you say, and, and they were provoking. And I always say to people, what would happen if there was a Russia-backed Mexican coup government amassing weapons on the U.S. border and randomly killing U.S. civilians? And I just want to say I feel so terrible that the people of Ukraine are being used in the middle between Russia and NATO, and and it seems like NATO wants to fight to the last Ukrainian, and, and there's so much suffering going on. I believe that if if uh, Russia had security guarantees in the east, and and Ukraine would stay out of NATO, this this thing could be solved. But it looks like they're going to push this as long as they can, and uh, the sensible voices of peace are getting pushed to the back burner. What are your thoughts? moving forward in regards to uh, how this is affecting, you kind of touched on it, but domestic policies. I mean, if you look around our cities, if you look at inflation in Canada, we have like 6 million people a month using food banks. We have 10 cities. This is uh, literally stealing from the, the taxpayer to, to fund war. So could you talk you touch again a little more on the aspect of how this money is being misappropriated? Well, I mean, another uh, very important uh, uh, video surfaced just a few days ago. Last week was, uh, for people who do the research on this subject, it was really a great week. Like Zelensky want, went on TV a few days ago, and he said openly, we, to, uh, this is to American, an audience, you know, plugged in through Zoom to an American audience. You know what Zelensky said? It's important to send armaments to Ukraine, and it, these armaments are also a godsend, something very important for the armaments industry. So you have it right there in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Like basically, you know, there's been a lot of talk over the years, and some people that like to uh, quote Eisenhower when he says, when he said 
the United States is based on a military-industrial complex. But I don't think, since World War II, we have been gifted with a very obvious role of the military-industrial complex, whereas this money is, you know, taxpayers' money, whether it's from Canada or United States or the UK, they just go right into the military-industrial complex, whose profits, of course, have been soaring, increasing massively over the last few months. So that is really about, and in that, of course, to make sure that this money keeps on uh, uh, going from the taxpayer's pocket to the armaments industry, is to provide a, a basic lie that Ukraine is winning and it's possible for Ukraine to win. Sorry, guys, but Ukraine has already lost you know, they have 30, 40 countries, have 30, 40 countries from, from, from Europe, Canada, etc., against Russia. You know, but they still have not been able to defeat Russia. On the contrary, Russia, I think, has been keeping its word to not attack civilian areas as much as possible, but rather to denazify uh, Ukraine and this way also attempt to uh, improve the situation so that a, a solution can be uh, reached. And I think, let us go back a few months. There was a, a virtual possible negotiations taking place between Ukraine and Russia a few months ago. But who showed up in Kiev in Ukraine? It was Boris Johnson from England who went there and specifically told, and this is the information that came out, specifically told Zelensky, don't sign any agreement. You know, you have to write to the last Ukrainian. So the, the United States, from the beginning, they did not want negotiation. They do not, and in the future, they do not, will not accept negotiation, unless they are in a very difficult situation, which may take place. And Ukraine will have to capitulate in the face of Russia. President Putin the Russian military, Russian leadership, uh, you know, and Russia, it is not communist, it's not socialist, but it's a, a, a peculiar feature of Russia today that only recently uh, used to be the USSR, you know, the, the banner of socialism, struggle against U.S. imperialism, against colonialism. So that's not too long ago. And the people in Russia, and even Putin, who has... I think his father was killed in the, in the Second World War against Germany. This is part of the psyche of current Russia. And I would you know, say that within Russia, there is increasing nostalgic attitude to going back to the USSR style of socialism and a very strong anti-imperialism. So the United States, of course, in their very narrow uh, US-centered notion that Russia can do no good, Russia uh, are barbarians. They tried to wipe out everything with regards to the history of Russia. And we saw in Auschwitz, we just, you just mentioned, who liberated Auschwitz? Who killed the Nazis? It was Russia. Right. And they're doing this again now. And, you know, I, I think that uh, uh, how the scenario in the future is really hard to say. But one thing for sure, Ukraine cannot win the war. Will there be uh, resistance? There is some resistance in Ukraine against forced conscription. Uh, many things are taking place in, in Ukraine at this time. And in 
not only perhaps, I hope so, as I guess you also hope, and all our listeners, that in Europe there will be a, a real uprising uh, to, uh, against the war. I mean, it, it's really disgusting. Europe it has such a, a long history of, of progress, struggle uh, in, in support of socialism, for example, in France, the French Revolution, and then the uh, Paris Commune in the 1960s, uh, against capitalism and support of a new France. The same thing, of course, even in Germany and the United Kingdom. It is really a shame that these countries that have a long tradition, of course, m- much of it is very negative. They were also savage colonialists against the people of Asia, Africa, and Latin America, but they also have this, this tradition of being on the pro- progressive side of history. For example, the French Revolution, the Paris Commune, May 1968. Will this come up against again in the coming months so that Europe finally will say, hey, we do not want to be the flunkies. We do not want to be the lackeys of U.S. imperialism. We want to have our own evaluation of the situation and the capacity, the ability, which Europe is capable of doing, to have our own independent policy with regards to uh, Ukraine. Now, if this happens, uh, this could be uh, another uh, factor that will uh, slow down any attempts by the United States and its allies to keep uh, fueling the whole conflict by sending in more armaments. Now, recently, the U.S. uh, diplomat, they admitted to blowing up Nord Stream pipeline, which brought cheap energy to Europe. And now Europe is dependent on imported um, fracked gasoline uh, <laughs> to Europe, which is much more expensive. So Europeans are really paying a price uh, for this war. Uh, people, uh, people across the United States are dealing with crushing inflation, and and same in here in Canada. Yet, seems the sky's the limit for this conflict and how much the West and the U.S. is willing to spend to weaken Russia. And and the news, like you just kind of alluded to it, this is not Afghanistan. They were chased out of Afghanistan in 20 years. This is a nuclear power with multiple thousands of warheads and a large military. This is not a small country. And uh, the, the idea that we're going to push back Russia and get them to surrender is, is ludicrous. So there must be a negotiated peace. There must be cooler heads prevail. And I think one way uh, that people can progress and, and learn more is from reading some of your articles and getting the right information. So if you can point to some resources that people can, can find for themselves. Well, if you go to my website, it's www.arnoldaugust.com. There you have access to my most recent articles from various sources in English and other languages. And my hope is that cooler heads will prevail. I know I speak to a lot of people around and I haven't met anyone that is really excited about going into uh, a decades of long struggle with Russia and they want this to come to an end. So our leaders have led us astray. And um, I thank you for your time today and uh, we'll keep in touch. Thank you very much. I very much appreciated the conversation and your very astute uh, questions. Thank you. thank you for listening to Latin Waves. Latin Waves is an independently produced syndicated radio program made available for free to campus and community radios and also to the world at latinwavesmedia.com.
Please visit the website to hear previous shows, hear about upcoming events, and consider becoming a member for as little as $1 per month.